Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. Anything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Fran Duffy. That's right, another week, and we are talking red zone football here as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 182. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I catch up with Baylor head coach Matt Rule, good friend of mine, and we worked together back at Temple, going back to the mid-2000s, and Matt has got great experience, not just as a head coach, and he's been one of the best young head coaches in college football over the last half decade, but He's also got extensive experience both coaching on offense and on defense. He's coached in the NFL and in college, so he brings a wealth of knowledge here to the podcast and really want to talk to him about red zone football. When you get inside the 20, inside the 25-yard line, how does life change for an offense? How does life change for a defense? What are the challenges? What are the pitfalls that both units have to face? We're going to dive into all that here in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Well, like I said earlier, I'm really excited to bring on Matt Rule, who's the head coach uh, of the Baylor Bears program. And Matt, uh, you and I go way back, really, really excited. Like I said earlier, probably the first coach that uh, I got to know on a personal basis when I first got to Temple and started working uh, with the football program. And I wanted to bring you on today and just kind of give our listeners a bit of a clinic on red zone football on both sides of the ball, offense and defense. You're experienced on both sides, so you can kind of give it uh, from both sides of the ledger. So really excited to kind of talk some ball today inside the 20 yard line well i'm excited too i I've, I've had a chance to watch all the things you do and and it's great to see someone do do things the right way from both an x's and o's perspective and a talent evaluation perspective so hopefully i can uh, do a good job for you uh, I appreciate that, Matt. Well, let, let's get started. And let's first start uh, with the offense. And really my first question is, what are some of the keys to having success offensively down in the red zone? Well, you know, so you know, we try to divide the red zone up in a couple different areas, you know, from like the, from from roughly the 25 and, and sort of the mentality is from the first place where your field goal kicker is automatic. Um, you know, when you know you have points in hand, that's really kind of where most people start. So let's say the 25-yard line down to about the 12 and it's your, kind of your high red zone. And in that area, you know, most people are traditionally thinking like touchdown or check down. You know, you're going to try to, you're going to try to run the football. You're going to try to be efficient on offense. But when you get a chance, you're going to try to take a shot at the end zone because it's the last place where you have some field or you have some room before the field starts to shrink. And uh, great quarterbacks are the ones who, you know, they, the, court, the coach feels comfortable enough to, you know, take a shot. If it's not there, then they try to, you know, check it down. As you get down inside the 12, you know, roughly from the 12 to the 5 is what you call the low red zone and tight red zone. And it's a little bit different down there. You know, the, the, the field's condensed. There's not as much vertical space. Everything becomes horizontal. It becomes a much more of a matchup game. Uh, it becomes much more of a, you know, defensive start to blitz and get a little bit more aggressive. And um, you have to, certainly have to have a plan for the low red. And then inside the 4, and when I first went to work for Tom Coffin, he explained it to me as, you know, if it's first and goal from the four and you get one yard of play, you score a touchdown. So we try to break it up 25 to 12, you know, 12 to the five, and then from the 12 to the four, and then from the four on in. But, um, you know, you have to be efficient, but the key is scoring touchdowns. You can't beat people by, by kicking field goals. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I guess, like you said, it kind of starts with the high red zone uh, where your kicker becomes automatic. So depending on the team, does their their definition of the high red zone kind of change? Have you seen that throughout the course of your career? Or do you kind of start really at the 25 typically? Um, I think, you know, when you're, when you're breaking things down as a coach, you know, from in the computer you are, but in terms of your play calling, your aggressiveness, I think most people start thinking about it in terms of where their kicker, you know, is guaranteed. Um there's a lot of analytics people out there, and they talk about points inside the 30. And, uh, you know, you can, you can do whatever you want from, like, you know, from your own 10-yard line to the opponent's 30. But once you cross the 30-yard line, things start to change. Defense starts to stiff, and they start to get more aggressive. And, uh, you know, that area just outside the high red zone is usually called the, you know, the shot zone. People are going to gonna take their shots. Because as you get closer to the goal line, it gets harder and harder and harder to create space. And, and once you lose space... That's when you start turning to matchups. But I think from a, a play caller's perspective, you know your own team, you know your own field goal kicker, how automatic he is, and uh, that that allows you to be more and more aggressive at each place that you are. Well, and that's why I actually wanted to ask you too. You mentioned uh, you know you cross that fringe area, you get into the high red zone. You mentioned how the the space kind of condenses. What are some of the other challenges that that uh, kind of face an offense at that point uh, you know, on the football field? Is it, is it really just the amount of space uh, shortens everything up and that's it, or is there, are there other challenges that can present an offense? Well, I think it's, um, I think it's the, the first one's the space. Um, the, the second one is really uh, you know, your inability to really sort of layer the defense. You know, so a lot of times you're getting second and ten. You know, guys, you know, deep, offense coordinated with guys deep because at the end of the day the defense is going is to defend what you do, you know, so you can send guys deep, you know, the defense is going to cover it, and then, you know, you can get the ball checked down underneath, let let Bryant Westbrook, let, you know, Sean McCoy, let, you know, whoever, the great backs that are out there, let them go get you from, you know, second and ten to third and three and let you stay effective. It's a little bit more difficult when you get in the red zone because people start to match out a little bit more. They're not quite as afraid to run by. And I would say in my study of the Red Zone, we did an extensive study at the collegiate level this year of all, all the NFL teams. It used to be that as you got closer and closer to the goal line, uh, it, was, it, was, it was either like, you know, straight man, blitz, pressure, or people played sort of like a you know, straight goal line, you know, protect the goal line zone. And now the coverages are starting to get more and more and more uh, diverse. And I think it's really a product of the analytics and people saying, hey, don't worry about what you did on the 50th card line. Who can score touchdowns in the red zone? At the collegiate level, you know, if you can score 70% touchdowns when you're in the red zone, you're probably going to be in the top 10 in the country. And so um, just that one statistic alone, red zone, the touchdown, not, not field goal, can determine your season. People on offense, but more importantly, hey, you know what, we, we just can't go out there and run two coverages. We get more and more diverse, and I think that's, that's now hit the NFL. So dealing with all the double teams and brackets and all the things that defense coordinators are doing, so let me let me ask this question, Matt. When you get down into the red zone, you mentioned it, as you get closer to the goal line, uh, you do start to rely more on some of those matchups. And that was actually going to be one of my follow-up questions for you was, how much when you get inside the 20, is it X's and O's versus the, Jimmy, the Jimmy's and the Joe's? How much is it for scheme versus personnel once you get into that tight area? Well, I, th- I think it's a lot about you know the, the, who the people are. Um, as I said, you know if they're going to go out and they're going to double-team your best player, and you better have a concept to the other side that works. So I think there's some X's and O's to it. I think a lot of it is the quarterback getting into the right play. You know, if he has a play built for beating man and they go to zone, he better get him in the right play. 
But, but when it comes down to it, um, it's really hard to score down inside the 12, inside the 15. And so you have to go to your best player. And I think what's happened to the NFL over the last couple of years is it's all, it's all becoming uh, tight end oriented. You know, they can double a receiver. If you have a great receiver, it's hard to double a tight end. And so what you see is you see people trading, shifting, motioning, getting very exotic on offense, trying to get, you know, trying to get the defense to have one of their worst cover guys on their tight end. So people with tight ends that are, you know, uh, back shoulder threats, versatile threats, um, they become really, really, really important down in the red zone, as do big receivers. Yeah, and Eagles fans will remember just how good the Eagles were in the red zone uh, two years ago in the Super Bowl run. They were they were good last year as well, but uh, twenty seventeen, you know what they were able to do to get guys like Zach Ertz and Brent Selleck and Trey Burton, you know, seemingly wide open at times, running very similar concepts, like you said, uh, you know, using your personnel groupings, different motions, and things to kind of create those matchups one on one. You know, it, it worked time and time again uh, for the Eagles and, and around the NFL. You see a lot of the same things, and uh, you know, the next question. I've got for you is just, you know, as a coach and as a game planner, how do you weigh when you get down there the use of concepts and, you know, kind of multi-progression reads down there versus those kind of isolation plays you mentioned, you know, kind of the back shoulder throws, uh, any kind of situation where, you know, look, the quarterback's going to get the ball. This is where it's going. It's going to this guy. How do you kind of weigh that going into an individual week? Well, you know, I think it's, it's, um, it's, it's really the secret sauce of being a good coach. I think you have to have a little bit of both. I think that, you know, on first and second down, even on some third down, uh, it's great when you can isolate your best receiver and try to get a matchup. And if you have it, great. And if you don't, you know, then work the field and work the field concept. Um, but it, it, it's really those, it's really those, you know, games on the line plays, it's those fourth and fives, those third and sevens with, you know, eight seconds left where you have to have a couple plays where no matter what happens, you're going to get the ball with your best player. And so um, I think you have to have some, some, some plays of both, you know, some plays where, Hey, we're you know we're going to put our best receiver to the left. You know we're going to trips to the field, and if they if they isolate him on a corner, he has to win. And people have perfected those throws. You know the over the top throw, the back shoulder throw, you know throw by all those different things. And then if if they double him, then then we we're outnumbering them to the field. Um, but you also have to have those you know games on the line. You know who's going to win it back plays, and uh, those are the plays where you want to make sure you have just enough options for the quarterback where he can. He can always have an opportunity, no matter what the defense does, to get the ball to your best player. And, um, you know, it's about, to me, the, the, the red zone all comes down to ball location and accuracy. You know, at, at, you want to throw the ball, you know, right when you cross the goal line, you want the ball to be low. You want the guy to catch it like a shortstop or second base, and he'll go down to his knee, catch the ball low so that if it's not, if it's, if it's incomplete, it's not intercepted. And then you want to have the ability to make, you know, top shelf throws in the back part of the end zone. The, the least defended part of the field, of, you know, of the entire 120 yards is, is the backyard line of the end zone. So you have to be able to put the ball low and in front, down at the goal line, and at the end line, you want to put the ball high. And so um, when you have a great quarterback, an accurate quarterback, he will not only find the matchup, but it's really, really important that uh, he has elite ball accuracy down there, you know, at the goal line. You mentioned that you guys did a really extensive study of the NFL and, and teams that were successful in the red zone this year. I don't want you to give away any state secrets or anything that'll put you at a, a competitive disadvantage. But what were some of the things that you saw that were kind of consistent around the league? Maybe even not, not just this past year, but over the past few years, of you as you've studied both college and the NFL, are there are things conceptually that you see that are pretty commonplace uh, throughout the course of football? Yeah, I think I think one of the biggest differences between college and pro football is. 
in the NFL, there's a lot, there's a lot of concepts where uh, they're going to rely on just the brute strength and physicality of their players. You know, a guy's going to get to the goal line and turn around, and uh, it's almost like posting up, you know, in the paint. The quarterback's going to put the ball on him, and that's, uh, that's an elite-level concept. I think at the pro level, RPOs, while, while you know, it's much bigger, they're going to do, you know, second and ten. There's a good chance you're going to get an RPO. They're not quite as prevalent down in the red zone. In college, they're a little more prevalent, so, but they're starting to creep in. You know, the number one goal in the red zone is always to be able to run the football in. If you can run the ball in in the red zone, then you're a dominant, dominant team. Um, I talked you know, I, t- I talked a little bit earlier about the, how the coverages in the red zone now are starting to really get way, way more exotic than the one or two or three things that you saw for maybe the last 10 years. And I think offenses have countered by trying to be really multiple with trades, shifts, and motions. And I think part of that is, is all the young quarterbacks that are coming into the league and they're trying to come to play early. You know, they're trying to give the illusion of complexity. They're trying to make the defense see all these crazy things, but at the end of the day, they're trying to give them base concepts that they know and they feel comfortable with. And um, But I think the final thing, and, and I went to an event, uh, maybe it was two three years ago, and I saw Tony Romo, and he was talking, and we were, you know, I started talking to him. I don't know him from Adam, but um, he, I think he was still playing or just getting done. And he told me how, um, you know, they had done a study there and, and, and how, you know, most touchdowns that happen in the red zone happen off schedule. It happens with the quarterback, um, you know, dropping back, trying to put the ball in the end zone, not there. The quarterback breaks contain, rush, you know, he moves around, and that really comes with that really comes with you know veteran quarterbacks because you get up in the high red zone when you're out near where the field goal kicker can miss. You don't want to take a sack because a sack can take you out of field goal range. But you get down inside the twelve, even a sack doesn't hurt you because you can still make that field goal from the fifteen yard line. And so. Veteran quarterbacks, and you see it with Aaron Rodgers, you see it with Tom Brady. They are not afraid to extend the play down inside the, uh, the that, that tight red zone because while the defense might have everyone covered initially, as the quarterback starts to move around and zones start to change, there's a lot of ability to get guys open and, and to be able to throw that low ball in the front at the front pylon or that high ball in the back corner. So I would say all of those things keep coming, uh, keep, keep showing up, and then when you can find a team that can run it in, those are the teams that have a chance to be really dominant. I find that last point uh, about the guys being able to play outside of structure to be most fascinating. I mean, look, a lot of the young quarterbacks in the league that have had success earlier in their careers, you know, you look Patrick Mahomes, Carson Wentz, Deshaun Watson, you keep going. A lot of those guys have that ability to be able to play outside of structure, but it's so hard, uh, a lot harder to be able to do that in the confined area of the, of the red zone. So that's where you get those guys that are the, the, the savvy veterans that are able to do that at a very high level. I thought that was a great point. Uh, let's get over to the defensive side. I mentioned earlier you've coached on both sides of the football. So I want to ask you, defensively, we'll kind of start back at the top. Uh, outside of just being able to keep the other team out of the end zone, uh, what are some keys to be able to being able to have defensive success inside the 20? Well, I think, I think the first thing is making sure that the other team can't run it in. Yep. You know, um, you cannot allow the other team to run the football in because because it, you, you have the field on your side. You don't have to worry about run, getting run by. You don't have to worry about explosive plays. You know, when you study football, you know the – the most the most important stat in football is really toxic differential, which is you know turnovers and big plays. Well, there's no big plays down there, and so the key is you know you don't have to you don't have to take the ball away. You just have to hold them to a field goal, and so the shortest distance between two points is a straight line, right? So so do not allow them to run the football in. You know, be be aggressive in your run set, and understand that um, you know you have got to confuse the quarterback and take away their best matchup. You know if. If they can run the football in, they're going to be successful. If they can get the ball to their best player in a one-on-one matchup, you know, they're going to be successful. So I think the key is to take away the run game 
take away their best player and then force them uh, to be a team that can that can execute high level concepts uh, down in the red zone. You know, because you can throw a myriad of coverages and brackets and double teams. I think you have to have a great pressure package that you can not allow them to know that it's coming to the quarterback and check out, but you can really, when the time comes, attack them. And I think the final thing is you have to have a defensive uh, line that is disciplined in the rush down there because, um, you know, it's not like college football where you have to worry about, you know, the quarterback getting outside, you know, the pocket and running for 20 yards. But if you let the quarterbacks in the NFL get outside the pocket, down inside the 15, you know, the 20-yard line, they're going to make you pay. They're going to find someone who's, who's gotten open and, and it's hard to cover some of the great receivers in the NFL for for uh, for six seconds. And so, making sure you have the discipline and the structure down there is really important. You know, one of the things I didn't say earlier about the offense, uh, Fran, is you know one of the keys down there to me is, is is to just be efficient and find completions. And so, I think as a defensive staff, uh, you have got to find a way to both protect the goal line, and if you want to be elite, you know, find just one negative play. Um, if you can get one negative play and get them off balance. Now you've flipped the entire pendulum, and you're, you know all the skills are now flipped in, in, in your uh, in, in your favor. And so I think I think that's a lot of things I said, but I think they're all really important. If you do a couple of them, you have a chance to be a really good defense. Yeah, and that second point you made about just you know being able to take away the other team's best player is that kind of common common practice to you know as you're getting into the week of game planning, just kind of figuring out putting a, putting an ear hole on. All right, here are the guys that they like to target. Maybe not necessarily over the course of the entire field, but when they get inside the twenty, this is their primary option. The secondary option; these are the guys they like to target. No, absolutely. I think um, you know people usually don't have a myriad of different routes, but they do have a, a favorite player that they want to get the ball to. So. I think uh, both on third down and in the red zone, if you can, you know, take away the quarterbacks, you know, his his security blanket, take away the guys that he feels the most comfortable to, and most importantly, take away the throws he can make on on, on his third step. So if you're talking about throwing a fade, throwing a, throwing a back shoulder throw, quarterback's going to take the ball. He's you know in the shotgun. He's going to take three steps at his back foot and let the ball loose. And so all those all those D linemen you paid a ton of money, ton of money to, they're they're gone. You know, they they had no impact on the play. And so take away the easy throw, take away the layups. Uh, make them have to read it out, uh, decipher coverage. And so part of that is going into it and just really studying, hey, who they want to get the ball to, who's a matchup problem for us, and then how can we take them out of the game. How do things change tactically on defense? You know, you, we talked earlier about the, the biggest challenge facing an offense inside the 20 is just obviously the lack of space. What is the biggest challenge that a defense faces when you get down inside? Is it just the fact that the ball comes out quickly? How does it change tactically uh, for the other side of the ball? Well, I think I think it's the fact that that that, that you know just a, a 15 yard completion can be a touchdown. So you're really defending space, and then I think you know because the quarter because the quarterback and the defense is, is so limited vertically, they have to now start to attack you with with uh, you know 53 and a third horizontally with crossers, with screens, with all these different ways to get the ball um, underneath. And you know over the years, the one thing we've said is. If you can get the ball, if you get the ball completed, and and that defender can make one person miss, you have a chance at a touchdown. And the stakes are so high, so your ability to tackle, your ability to make one-on-one tackles in space becomes really, really, really important. Uh, you know, you can cover everybody perfectly, and all of a sudden, you know, the tailback can get matched up on the linebacker. He can catch the ball, and the linebacker misses misses the tackle with a touchdown. And so, um, I think that's really, really important. I think the other the other thing is while the quarterback you know, might make his checks up the field. They might have their check with needs. They're going to have a, a, a very serious set of, um, 
audibles and checks down in the red zone. And if they see man-to-man, they're going to go to the 4 by one you know, tailback screen. If they see zero blitz, they're going to check to the face of the X. I mean, they're going to have things that this is what they do. And if you show your hand on defense, then you know a veteran quarterback is going to get in the right play, and then you're, you know, then you're fighting uphill. So I think on defense you have to have a great plan, but you also have to, you also have to operate really quickly and really efficiently. As a defensive coach, and you're going into a, into a game, and you're you're putting the game plan together, how do you weigh the use of pressure or not or non pressure going into a, a red zone game plan? Is it uh, quarterback base? Is it opponent base? Opposing coaching staff base? How do you kind of weigh that as you're putting together a game plan for the week? Well, I think that uh, you know the biggest thing is if you can get pressure with four, then then um, then you're going to stick with that. I mean. The, the modern passing game is is so far ahead of where it was even 10 to 15 years ago that you can't stop the quarterbacks nowadays with coverage. I mean, it's just impossible. The the accuracy, the timing, the skills are just so high. So the only way to really stop the modern passing game is to is to, is to affect the quarterback. And really, talk, people talk a lot about speed rushers, but the only the only true way to attack the quarterback is to get you know in the paint in front of him, you know, to get in his face, to make him have to adjust, throw over people. And so you're going to start with you're going to start with four. You're going to hope that your nickel and sub packages are going to produce, and you're going to be able to you know get there with that. If not, you have no other option but to go to your pressure package. And um, you know, obviously, it's it's like any other risk reward feature in life. You know, if, if you blitz, there's a lot of reward there. There's also a lot of risk. You know, you're putting people on an island, and so you have to be really smart with it. But at the same time, you have to do it. And um, I, I think I think that's one of the key factors. And then. You know, you hope that you have a defense that um, that as they get down in the red zone, they're a little bit more apt to blitz because they're not afraid of getting run by. You hope you get veteran secondary people that are going to sit on routes. They're going to pass off all the combinations and all the picks. And, you know, you're not afraid of giving up the home run because, you know, your back's already against the wall. Well, Matt, this was uh, outstanding in terms of just giving our listeners, again, a clinic on red zone football. And I'm going to let you go. You're getting ready to head uh, out on vacation. But – We've had a couple of uh, my former coworkers, a couple of my former colleagues uh, from my time at Temple on the podcast before, so I would be remiss if I didn't ask you the same thing. Give us uh, some good Temple football memories, uh, you know, from my time there. A good Fran Duffy moment, a good just general only a Temple moment, as we used to say uh, during our time at Edberg Olson Hall. Well, I, I think most of my Fran Duffy moments <laughs> would not be appropriate for the <laughs> so I'm just teasing, of course. But uh, one, one of my favorites is. Uh, I can't remember what year it was, and we weren't very good at the time. Uh, Al Gold was the head coach, and Martin Arfio was our you know great defensive coordinator. Was down on one side of the ball, he's coaching the defense up, and someone from the high rise across the way started yelling and started saying, "Hey, coach! Hey, coach!" And all of a sudden, he looked up. He said, "What do you want?" And the guy said, "I'm going to get my 12. I'm going to come out there. I'm going to beat your 12." <laughs> and uh, to this day, we, we whenever whenever time we see each other, uh, we always say, "Hey, I'm going to get my 12. I'm going to kick your 12 sale." <laughs> So while it wasn't Canadian football, that was life attempted diamond. It was a great, great, great time in my life. No, no question. It was a uh, a great introduction for me into the world of uh, really the world of professional football, college football. Just in general, it was uh, outstanding. I always look back on those days, uh, you know, greatly. I think back, uh, you and I driving in together for uh, five a.m. workouts was uh, was a, a great memory as well. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Matt, I'm going to let you go. <laughs> really, no really appreciate the time here as, as always uh, on Chalk Talk on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. Best of uh, uh, enjoy vacation, number one, then best of luck uh, through summer camp and then through this season. Thank you so much, brother.
Well, as expected, that was just outstanding stuff from, from Matt. And for you could follow Coach Rule uh, on Twitter, just like I do, at Coach Matt Rule. And if you want to learn more about the game of football, don't just listen to this podcast, but I encourage you to go and check out the Eagles Football Academy. The Eagles Football Academy offers hands-on coaching and instruction for football players between the ages of 7 and 16. These are one-day clinics. They're all held here at the NovaCare Complex in South Philadelphia, and they all feature non-contact drills that are led by some of the top high school coaches and college coaches in the area as well as appearances by an Eagles player. Cheerleaders, Swoop will be there. It's a great time. All the summer clinics are filling up really fast. So now's the time. Go visit PhiladelphiaEagles.com slash Eagles Academy to sign up your son or daughter today. I promise that it was absolutely worth it. It's a really great experience for the young Eagles fan in your life. All right, again, great stuff from Coach. And you can follow him on Twitter, like I said earlier, at Coach Matt Rule. And while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. That's where I post all the podcasts podcast I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce here at PhiladelphiaEagles.com and you know how much I appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on social media but that is one way to support the show. The other and the best way is to go on to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Give us a five-star rating. Love the five-star rating. If you want to give us a four-star or three-star, that's fine too. But give us that rating and leave us a comment. If you want to leave a question, now's the time too. And I want to give a shout-out to Stick to the Subject, who went on to our Apple Podcast page, left that rating, and left a comment saying how much they enjoy the show. So thank you to you and all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcasts at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. But I think that'll do it. Great stuff this week from Matt Rule, again, the head coach at Baylor who dropped by to talk about red zone football. And thank you to all of you out there. Again, whether you're on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or TuneIn or Spotify, wherever you listen to the show, go give us a rating, leave us a comment. It's the best way to support the show. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here for the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I'm Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.